0: This podcast is all about exploring different journeys to reinvention so that you can learn the strategies for how to successfully launch your next reinvention. Welcome to the School of Reinvention podcast. I am your host, Roger Osorio. I'm a reinvention coach and also the author of the book, The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passions, and Purpose. I am incredibly excited to be here with Jen Fox. Jen is a seasoned HR and business professional with over 25 years of business leadership experience. Her entrepreneurial background and career growth in a real-time learning environment have shaped her ability to build inclusive, high-performance teams and support others in doing exactly the same. Endorsed as one of the most no-nonsense L&D <laughs> professionals on the planet, she brings a mix of vulnerability and pragmatic solutions to her work and relationships. Having assumed leadership roles at renowned companies like Nordstrom, Starbucks, Getty Images, and Just Works, Jen has recently returned to her entrepreneurial roots, reigniting her independent coaching, consulting, and public speaking business. When she's not speaking about the myths and challenges of working motherhood on LinkedIn, she can be found walking, listening to podcasts, and spending time with her friends and family in Princeton, New Jersey. And that's actually how we connected because you put out a call to your friends for podcast recommendations. And I was lucky enough to have been mentioned in one several of several times. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you know, I responded saying, Hey, thanks for mentioning me. And then, you know, we connected and then we realized. You need to be on the show, <laughs> and yeah. I figured this will make listening to my podcast even more interesting for you. And you were on season one, yeah. and now you're back for season two.
1: Yeah, and back, and in the in-person experience is so much better. So oh, thanks well, for having me back.
0: <laughs> no, I appreciate it. You know, when when I pitched this to you, I pitched it partly because you know we had so much great cre- uh, chemistry on the first one, and this is well, this is the first one in person here at the home office studio. Yeah. So. Gosh, I I thought it'll be way better to do this with you. And I felt like this was going to be nice. And you were so supportive. So I felt like this is what we got to do. I'm excited. Now, the questions are different. So whatever you remember from the last one, throw that out. Okay, clean slate. Clean slate. We're doing this differently. (laughs) You know, one of the big things that we're going to start talking about in season two a lot is definition of success. This is so important. This is something that I admit I have tossed around this term way Mm -hmm. too loosely. I've mentioned success as if there was one definition to success. When I'm the guy who at one point decided what my definition of success Mm. was going to be. And so what that often looked like for me was I would, you know, study up successful people. And then I would, in a talk, say, after reading up on several successful people, I learned these patterns. And then I realized, reflecting on that this year, that... Yeah, but that's assuming that those successful people I studied are the same kind of success that my audience is interested in. And what if they're not? Mm -hmm. What if the people in the audience are not? And I realized, no, I need to do something. I need to lead the way when it comes to defining success in all of the ways that people do. And I want to start that by, in season two, every guest will answer this question. And I am so excited that, you know, you are the first one to do it here <laughs> in the in the studio environment, answering this question. So So let's go for it. Tell me, what is your definition of success today?
1: I actually love the way you're framing that because I am, as you mentioned in my bio, in the middle of yet another reinvention. I, as a lifelong learner, I think which uh, you and I share, I consider myself, you know, a a curator of other people's wisdom. Mm -hmm. And the pitfall in that is it can be very easy to tag along and, you know, just say that's what it must be. So I've actually been thinking a lot about this. It's a really timely question for me right now. And I would say, you know, today, on this day, in this moment, um, what rings true for me is having it all without doing it all. As I get into some of the stories I think we're going to get into today, um, I think that will become self-evident. You know, I'm a mother of three. I'm very driven. And so a paradigm shift of having it all, not in a material sense, but having the things that are most important to me, but without running myself into the ground is really what I would say is how I'm looking at this next chapter and how I would define success. You know, the smarter, not harder. And Mm -hmm. I mean, this shows up in the most trivial ways. Your parent, Mm -hmm. I'm talking about, you know, learning something that when the hand towels in the kids' bathrooms, my kids are older than your Mm -hmm. daughter, and they constantly like make them crooked Mm -hmm. or more often than not on the floor. Did you know you can take a little like hair scrunchie and loop it around the towel and it just stays there?
2: No. So I'm talking about
1: (laughs) smarter, not harder on like the macro and micro level. Mm -hmm. The little things that can help me to focus on the things that are important to me. Presence is a big one right now. And so there's so many things in my busy life that keep me from being present,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, when when I want to do that. And so, yeah, it's it's smarter, not harder. It can be systems and things like that at work and delegation and things like that. But it's also like hand towels and it's everything in between.
0: You know, I'm thinking about things like, I, I think I get what you're saying, you know, with obviously I've only been a parent for 11 months now. But with Sophia, one of the things that we've even done its simple things like signing up for A diaper subscription. Right. I realized that when I was going to Target all the time, waiting for their deals, you know, spend $75, get 15 or 25 (laughs) back, or blah, 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 all of this stuff and this hassle and in trying to time it out, it was a hot mess. Sometimes I'd end up with too many boxes of diapers at once, other times not enough. And then you're running to the store and you're still buying it at at the local grocery store at like way higher, twice the price. (laughs) And and I just thought, you know what? Yeah. This is not working smart. This is definitely working much harder to try to save a few bucks when the subscription saves you almost almost the exact same amount, maybe a little less. However, I no longer have to go through all of that effort, all of that yeah. hassle. And it's such a silly thing. It's, you know, diapers. I, I, sometimes I'm like, wow, diapers. But you know what? Ever since we got that subscription,
1: yeah.
0: uh, and now they send it to me, I mean, that's just so much easier. I always have everything yeah. I need. I never yeah. have to go run to the supermarket. <laughs> yeah, and, but, but, but
1: it, it is. It's, it's those little things. And I think it's that. I, I do think also at some level, and I... I, would, I wouldn't ever want to speak either for all you know, working women, certainly not for working fathers. Mm-hmm. But I do think at some level, we are programmed to think that we should do it the hard way right? Yeah. We should have the right diapers on the right date at the best price, like mm-hmm. all the time. Yep. So I think that, that that sort of deeper belief about we can and should do it all drives some of those things that makes it harder. And then like you say, you remove that resistance. It's like, why didn't I do that a long time ago? Yeah. Um. So I think there's layers and layers to, to making things easier on ourselves. Yeah. I,
0: I mean, I think that's why I got into that whole, you know, that hustle of the target you know, discounts and coupons, because I thought to myself, this is what needs to be done. And yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of effort, but it's, to your point, it's like, this is the way it needs to be done. And then, yeah, then it's letting go of that and saying, no, there's a subscription. Just do that. It's okay to have things delivered to you and save yourself a trip to Target, Yeah, all of those kinds of things. Well,
1: and you think about, so if I say the first part of my definition, having it all, what do you get back when you're not, at Target. Well you get mm-hmm. the time with your daughter, yeah. which is actually what's important. Yeah. Right. She I'd rather even, take her for
0: a walk than right. having to run on a run on an They're errand. Running on an running yeah. an errand. That's yeah. right. So
1: you know when looking at and I think that's why for me like zooming out and looking at all of the different, you know, sort of uh you know domains of my life and where mm-hmm. they intersect, where you, you know, you take from one and you're, you know, you what's that saying Take Peter to pay Paul, whatever that yeah. saying is, but there's a cost to the other things when we make those decisions, and so mm-hmm. sometimes there's those levers. Do we pull the lever of a few dollars or a few minutes of my time, or mm-hmm. you know whatever that looks like, in order to prioritize the things that actually bring us more joy? Yeah.
0: You know, it's you know I'm even thinking about things like having a nanny. Yeah. So this was something that when we looked at the finances, mm-hmm. you know, working smarter, mm-hmm. not harder. Yes, there is a harder option. That comes at a much lower cost, but it also takes away the opportunity for right. my wife and I to work on this business, yep. for me to work on this business. Someone is going to have to, you know, watch Sophia mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. be with her. And so this was something that when we decided it, we knew we're dipping into savings to make this mm-hmm. happen. To your point, what did we get back as a result of that, you know, one I am so much more well-rested mm-hmm. at the end of the day in terms of I I can now shift all of my focus to mm-hmm. Sophia. I can, in the mornings before our nanny arrives, I love being able to just wake up and sometimes just cuddle with her. If I'm mm-hmm. not going to the gym that morning, I can just play with her in the mm-hmm. morning and hang out with her. Sometimes even take her for a walk early in the morning okay. like so that she can see the sunrise. <laughs> and that's it. It's like, Beautiful. cool because I know then at some, in, a, in a couple of hours, someone's going to arrive spend the day with her. And then I get to focus on what I have to do. And then I get to go back to focusing on Sophia. Um, But yeah, this is, I feel like this all connects to your definition of success, which is, you know, having it all um, without doing it all. I love that. What was a definition of success you had prior to this at any point prior to this? Oh my gosh. That that perhaps looking back, you're like, you think, oh my gosh, did I actually have that (laughs) definition of success?
1: you know, the doing it all, I would say is is the is the common thread. Yeah. I have been sort of programmed to be the, you know, sort of high performing overachiever to a fault from since childhood. And uh that's a hard thing to accept and unwind and work with sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I constantly uh kind of battle that. So yeah, I feel like right now this is in a, it's in a good place and it's mm-hmm. having me really I mean, on a day-to-day basis and tactically speaking, it's, it's how I organize my time now. It's completely shifted even since yeah. June. Yeah.
0: How do you get from from where you were to where you are now in your definition? What happened that helped you move in the direction of your current definition? Yeah.
1: Well, I think it's equal parts what I was going from and what I'm working toward. Okay. And I think that is such an important... Um, piece, you know, we often talk about, I think, in our last conversation, you know, what, what advice would you give to sort of your younger mm-hmm. self? When you're going through a hard time, there's often a knee-jerk reaction to not have that again. Whether that's a dysfunctional relationship, a toxic work environment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we we swing the pendulum. Well, that never works, right? Mm-hmm. Like classic rebound sort of scenario. One of my mentors, as I, as I left my last role, he called me on it. He said, No, I'm not letting you write off all of corporate America. <laughs> mm-hmm. So to answer your question more pointedly, I would say I was in a situation that wasn't the right fit for me anymore. Yeah. At the at the values level, mm-hmm. I would say. I'm very clear about, uh, about my personal values. Yeah. And that misalignment was, I mean, making me physically sick.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So now there was a progression there to get to the point, because again, I'm going to damn well prove that I can stick it out. Yeah. That was very much the mindset. But honestly, there was a, you talk about moments. I love, you focus a lot on like moments, right? What was mm-hmm. that? What was that moment? There was a moment where I woke up in the middle of the night just to use the restroom. And I literally thought I was paralyzed. My back was so out that I actually couldn't move. My bathroom is, I don't know, 25 feet from my bed. Mm -hmm. It took me an hour and a half round trip to get there. And realizing the next day, as my husband took the kids, and I just honestly journaled my (laughs) way through the day, Mm -hmm. um, that nothing was going to change a situation for me. It was, you know, kind of my thing. So that's what I was working, you know, going away from, yeah, and what I'm working toward, my core values I've identified are freedom and growth, and they just ring true. They are very core to who I am, and they show up at, at a bunch of different uh, levels. And so when I think about designing for the future, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's how I structure my day. Yeah. My calendar now, when I send out my calendar to allow people to book time for me, I'm available 10 to 3 most days. Some days 12 to 2 because mm-hmm. I want to reserve focused time. Yeah. Before 10, it's about me and my family and my house. And after three, it's about my family. Full stop. Yeah. Now there's some variation in that. When of things course. are handled, of course, that's going to be the thing. But that that's the guardrail for me.
2: Yeah.
1: And in the having it all, my my goals around impact and and success and my financial goals. Those haven't changed. Mm-hmm. but I want to do them in a different way. yeah. so it's dismantling the, you know, having a certain level of success has to come at the expense of all of these other things, mm-hmm. namely my my physical and and uh, mm-hmm. mental health, which obviously, especially as a caregiver, trickles mm-hmm. out to like everyone else. you mm-hmm. know, when we go down, everybody goes down. yeah um, so I think that's why right now, um I know that my uh, you know, sort of, changing how i view success is mm-hmm. is critical to everything mm-hmm. and and so now i'm just really putting in like the structures and habits yeah. to support that definition
0: i you know there there's so much there great stuff to unpack and and we're going to unpack right now so one is that your definition of success has changed you know yes. over the years so yeah. it's a, it's a moving target and this is something that i started to really reflect on when i made this a key part of season 2 i realized well i need to be prepared mm. to answer this question as well. And so I began writing an article that I haven't published yet, but I will publish in the next like probably month or so. It's taking me a lot longer than I mm. thought. And as I was writing it and unpacking my definition of success then versus now, I realized that my definition of success changed every five-ish years, mm. right? About five years. Yeah. I noticed I'm like, oh, and I could pin it to the years. And that's how I got to five. Oh, yeah, from about huh. you know, 26 to 31, from about 31 to 36. Yeah. And then, you know, 36 to now, like I saw the evolution. And I go, wow. So success is a moving target. But then what you just said suggests that it's not just about the end, but it's also about the manner in which we carry the means mm. to that end. So are, are those means aligned with your values? And I think that's really important because We can get really hyper-focused on a target. And often that's what we're told, right? Set a goal, set it clear, and do whatever it takes to get there. And I totally get that. And I think that to some extent, we are doing whatever it takes to get there. But you're adding this layer within boundaries, making sure that you have like something there. Like, no, I will not burn out on my way there. I will not cheat on my way there. I will not lie or steal on my way there. I mean, these are some things that I think maybe a lot of listeners can relate to. But sometimes we get so focused on the goal that it's easy to maybe compromise some of those. I'm hearing two dimensions to success. One is the target, which for you in many ways, many of the targets did not change financially, from your uh, business perspective, all those kinds of things. But what has definitely changed because you deconstruct these two parts is the way you go about getting it.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, Simon Sinek talks a lot about sort of finite versus infinite games. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, you know, so much research on, you know, take a take an Olympic athlete, right? Mm-hmm. Like the minute they walk off the podium with the gold medal, like now, what they reach yeah. that finite goal. I want to be a gold medalist. Well, now I have it. Well, now what do I do? Right. Mm-hmm. So this idea of more of the infinite game, right? What yeah. are we here to do? What are, What's the you know the bigger purpose? Is very inspiring, you mm-hmm. know, for mm-hmm. me. And the and the other piece, I think to to what you just said, I'm I'm really going deep and focusing a lot right now on resilience and trying to dismantle uh, what I think is a lot of misunderstanding about what resilience is. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of focus on resilience is like, get back to it. And I think one of the most essential steps is recognizing those early warning signs, right? Mm -hmm. Like, don't wait till you literally can't get out of bed at night. What were the early warning signs three, six months prior that Mm -hmm. had I listened to those, I may have made different decisions. It would have never had me like go down that path. And I'm always amazed by how many people, a lot of us, have to wait for that rock bottom moment. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope that through conversations like this, through the, you know, hearing stories of other people, we can start to get more attuned with, you know, how can I just pay attention to that? I, you know, when the the light comes on on my dashboard on my car, like I don't, well, actually, it's not true. I was going to say I don't ignore it. I actually do sometimes. But in general, you want to pay attention to those things. Yeah. Well, how can we identify what those are? Because they're very personal, mm-hmm. you know, to to the individuals. You know, sometimes it's you're not sleeping right. Sometimes you're more stressed, you're irritable, whatever it is. So I think if we can get in touch with those um, early indicators, then we can course correct more easily mm-hmm. rather than waiting for that rock bottom that's going to have us have to like have a complete um, mm-hmm. pivot.
0: Wow. We really broke down success here in a really deep way. (laughs) But I think the key takeaway here is there's two dimensions to this. And for for anyone listening, you know, really thinking about what are, it's almost like your conditions, your rules, your terms of engagement for pursuing whatever you set as a goal, but what are the terms for the engagement in that? What are the rules for that game that you're about to play and set those in alignment with what matters to you and what's important to you and... You know, uh, and and then go play. Then go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Have a blast and yeah. go nuts. Yeah. You know, really right. go all out right. at that point, but within those boundaries. Yeah. And there's a lot that could be done within those boundaries. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Let's talk about beliefs, uh, you know, empowering beliefs, disempowering beliefs. Can you share with us a belief that that really drives you right now? I'm really trying to get to your operating system. Yeah. Like, what are those underlying thoughts that drive your performance yeah. today?
1: Okay. So this, my underlying belief is something I never want to hear in the middle of a hard time, caveat, Mm -hmm. but I truly do believe it. And it came from a a period of my life when I was very focused on personal growth. Mm -hmm. And I also was doing sort of some spiritual exploration. I had this uh, sort of spiritual teacher and she she got up this one week and she said, everything happens for you. Everything. She must have said it 27 times. No, everything, every single thing happens for you Mm -hmm. to the point that it was humorous. Yeah. But letting that in was, uh, it's game changing. Yeah. But in the moment, when you're going through a hard time, if someone tells you everything happens for a reason, like you want to clock the person, yeah. right? Because you want to hear that it's in the, the moment. moment. <laughs> no, but I would say from a, from a core uh, belief as part of my operating system, when I can step back and get some distance from whatever's going on, uh, I I truly do believe that because mm. I can look back, right? Nothing ever makes sense in the moment, but I can look back and go, oh... Had that not happened, that wouldn't happen, that wouldn't happen. And where I always get to with a mother is like, oh my gosh, had that terrible thing not happened, I wouldn't have these kids. So there's like a straight line looking back, but it's never that way there. So I would say as a core belief, everything happens for you, not to you.
0: It's a big one for me as well. And I totally hear you. It's it's not an easy one to practice Mm -hmm. because in the moment, things are really tough, but for me, the key has been to reflect often enough Mm. that I really learn and believe in this. And so ever since, I think the first time I ever did this was in my, I think I was 19 or 20. And I reflected on something that had happened when I was in high school and how it impacted me while I was at university. And that was like the first moment where I go, wow, if that had not happened, as much as it sucked back then and I hated that it happened, this would not be happening today. But the point being, it was around that time where I first had that connection. And since then, I have really done a lot of work to reflect on a lot of things to the extent that now I can actually look forward Mm. with that. And, Mm. And it's only recently, I would say the last couple of years, maybe, where it's been Tested, uh, like even when when my mother passed away, mm. and really believing that this is life happening for all of us, yeah. including her, yeah. and mm. that was the biggest test because how do I handle? I mean, this right. is the moment where I could argue I've got every right to say f that, right. Right. Uh, that's BS, and why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to us, our family? Why did this? But yeah. no, and and it was the big test, and I felt like wow, mm. I passed that test, mm. and. And more importantly, forget that I passed it. It allowed me to really be at peace mm, and to really beautiful. be able to grieve in a way healthier way I'm, honestly, in a beautiful way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would like I wouldn't want to change the way I, like yeah. the way I grieved, I just thought, wow, that was wow. patting myself on the back. like that was one of those first mm. moments, And I think this is a powerful belief that can power people through. Many, many, many things, yeah. but it takes practice. It takes a lot of faith, I think, yep. and all of yep. that so that you can actually apply this looking forward and right. not only like later when things have worked out.
1: Yeah, that's like, the. I'm sorry for your loss. Mm-hmm. Beautiful story. That. And um, yeah, that's like level 2.0, right? Because mm-hmm. you can, it's easy to look back and make sense of it all. Yeah. Um, But yeah, applying it looking forward and even like expecting the challenges that are going to come up, but knowing you'll get through it. It's yeah. beautiful, powerful.
0: It's yeah. And and I think that's why it's such an empowering belief. Uh, So I love that you shared this one, because Mm. this is one that I want the audience to hear about. I want the audience to know that, you know, and and here's an example of what it looks like in practice, you know, uh, how you developed it and how it helped you along the way and the real feelings that come with it at the beginning. It takes time. It it doesn't feel great at the beginning, you know, and you have to work through that. But there are ways to get better at it so that you can reach that the way you put a 2.0 level and mm-hmm. be able to really apply it going forward. Mm-hmm. So that way, when those things happen, take a you breath. can take that deep <laughs> breath. I mean, honestly, that's yeah. that's it. It's a deep breath and you're like, you know what? It's okay. What's yeah. happening for me. I just got to wait to figure out how right. <laughs> I right. just got to wait to figure out yeah. how but patience I'm, patience yeah exactly yeah. what's a limiting belief that maybe you've you know been dealing with recently um or maybe you even just overcame but a more current one
1: I think part of the curse of uh, a lot of personal growth, certainly social media, is we tend to focus on the positive things and we don't shine enough light on the limiting beliefs. The the most powerful and profound limiting belief is, you know, at that core of feeling not good enough, waiting to be found out, um, just that that sort of deep belief of what what would happen if if i'm not actually what people think that i am mm-hmm. and there's an interesting thing there because i would say one of the things i'm most proud of is i try to i try to live an authentic life what mm-hmm. you see is what you get due yeah. fault from a very young age as i said you know i was i was sort of the high achiever i was the you know sort of youngest person in the in the room in a lot of the sort of corporate spaces mm-hmm. and that led to you know sort of the okay I'll play almost like a role play right I'm yeah. going to get in there and play grown up um but behind that was like you know what if they discover I'm not I shouldn't actually be here I'm not qualified not I'm not, a grown, not a grown up no I'm not yeah so um so I would say that that's there and mm-hmm. I would say that I have come to a place where it's not about dismantling that I don't actually think that. That will ever go away. I think that what I try to focus on is recognizing when it shows up and how it's like powering me so that I can distinguish it when that's making the decisions, right? So if a situation arises and I am feeling whatever, not prepared, let's say, mm-hmm. if I can pause when I have that feeling and say, is this that old wiring Is that just this old insecurity and all I need to do is trust myself? Yeah. Or am I actually like not prepared? You know, is it my grown up, you know, mind that, that's having this feeling? And then and then, you know, choose to respond, you know, whichever way it is. Um, but that sort of pause and being willing to stop and say, like, th- the feeling is there. Where's it coming from? And I think a lot of times it is that old childhood wiring that we have. And it doesn't need to drive my decisions anymore, you know? So again, it's those, it's it's multidimensional, um, but it's definitely a disempowering belief to the to the extent that I let when I let it make mm-hmm. a decision for me,
0: I want to go a little deeper mm-hmm. here or into mm-hmm. something more specific. how does it how does it show up? Yeah, and like, how does it appear? where Where do you catch it? Where you say, "Ah, there you are,
1: yeah. Um, I would say what comes to mind right away, I mean, it shows up all over the place. I would say in sort of a work setting, uh, a lack of self-advocacy.
2: Mm. ok,
1: yeah. From a young age, I was, you know, put into a, a people leader role and, um, you know, just throughout my career was in the position where I I had the, the positions, the title, maybe the authority or whatever, but I never advocated for myself for everything else that should go along with that. Mm-hmm. So when I'm not in the room that I should be in, mm-hmm. I would at some level... Ex- Sort of discount to myself, like yeah. come up with explanations for why that was yeah. and why like, that I'm was. Lucky okay. to have this, so exactly. Maybe I shouldn't ask
0: for more. Exactly. Just keep your mouth shut. You're don't lucky to be in the room. Boat. There we go. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So I, I think it's in those ways, especially in sort of a work setting where I wouldn't advocate, you know, mm-hmm. f- uh, for myself. And I don't think that that came from a like, what, what would happen if I did? I don't even, it's just that like, that really deep belief of. Yeah, I'm lucky to be here. I'm
0: lucky to be here. Yeah, I'm lucky to be here. Actually. And here's the interesting thing: I think that that is a, that's also a very empowering belief, like mm-hmm. gratitude. Like mm-hmm. you know, hey, I'm and and I think that that's something that I'm realizing the more I ask this question and mm-hmm. we unpack some of these limiting beliefs. Some of them are actually they're double edged swords. Right. They, they actually cut really well sometimes, and they really mm-hmm. help you. I think they can actually serve you so powerfully.
1: Absolutely. And
0: then, but if you wield it the wrong way. It will cut you yeah. down as well. And yeah, it will it's the light side and the
1: shadow side. All of yeah. these things, right? The, the same, the same way, you know, an empowering belief will have a shadow side if it's mm-hmm. overused.
0: Yeah.
2: And
1: so certainly my, you know, overcompensating for wanting to prove that I'm good enough mm-hmm. has led to all kinds of great things for yeah. sure. But that's an over that's that's I'm definitely overcompensating to not being like found out, right? Mm-hmm. And to feed that feeling that I'm uh, that I that I'm good enough. So yeah, the light side and the shadow side I think yeah. is worth unpacking. In, in all of these areas. Yeah,
0: I, I think that's a powerful distinction for anyone listening just to you know, keep in, keep in mind that just because it's a limiting belief in some scenarios doesn't mean that it's right. all bad. Just give it a chance. Right. Like, I mean, some might be all bad. Yeah. That, and then, you know, <laughs> please get rid of those. But there might be some that when you dig a little deeper, you realize actually that was serving me for a yep. while. That's why it's so deeply ingrained in me because it actually delivered results for me. And now it's not delivering a result. Now it's hurting me or now it's maybe it's a timing issue. Maybe it's the way you wield that issue. Maybe it's the moment it shows up. Uh Uh-oh, don't want it showing up here.
1: When it's situational, because if you say, um, I think there's a lot of women sort of of my profile, especially in the work world, where we can be told sometimes overtly or maybe behind our back that we are, whatever, too dominating, too controlling, too Mm -hmm. outspoken, whatever, whatever. And so that can be the dark side. And certainly it's a behavior to keep in check to mm-hmm. the extent that you're not allowing other people to you know to speak or to to share uh, their opinions. But when that skill is used, you know in a positive way, Right. And mm-hmm. you can use that to influence people or you can be the one that people look to to make decisions in a crisis. Yes. Right. So it's understanding that, you know, if we throw all these things in our in our toolkit. When do we want to like pull them out? Right. Yeah. When do we need to check to see that we're not overusing one, underusing another? It's situational. Yeah. Right. Yes. And that's I mean, I don't think any of us will ever have that figured out. Right. We're mm-hmm. constantly assessing and screwing yeah. up and then trying yeah. some. You know, or trying or something. Or
0: acquiring new tools in the toolbox. Right. And so mm-hmm. I still don't know how to use this one perfectly. Yeah. Some I do because I've had them for a while. And yeah. And I took the time, years, to figure out how to use it, when to use it, and the proper amounts. And then others are like, whoa, this is pretty new. And I'm still figuring this one out. So I'm not going to use it perfectly all the time. Very powerful way of breaking down empowering versus limiting beliefs. So one of the things that I often talk about are how there are projects that launch a reinvention. Projects are, Mm -hmm. I call projects, the fundamental building blocks of a reinvention. Almost anyone I've interviewed or researched uh, for the book or anything like that, I was able to go back and find this one project that they started. Yeah. Is there a project that you can think of that, wow, if, if had it not been for that project? Yeah. Like, I don't think this other thing would have happened. And tell us about the link.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, This comes to mind, it's really vivid for me. Um, So, you know, quick backstory, right? I had an entrepreneurial career and then very much, you know, sort of corporate America with a lot of really great companies. And then uh, I had three kids, you know, sort of back to back. Mm -hmm. And so I was, you know, sort of stay at home, homeschooling, you know, all the things mothering Mm -hmm. and really taking that time, you know, not working. Yeah. My sole definition of work was, you know, income comes from an employer, mm-hmm. you know, in the form of a direct deposit, you know, with a W-2, this, you know, biweekly pay That was work. That yeah. was how it happened. And uh, I'm, you know, dating myself here, but uh, Upwork had just launched. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, what is this thing? I heard a couple of people talking about it. And I was on Upwork and just kind of scrolling things. And, you know, my background had been in uh, you know, human resources primarily. And there was a post for a guy who was writing a book, super niche. He was like uh, a book about how to help like early career professionals, introverted professionals, like do well in the workplace, especially mm-hmm. sort of in what is often like an extroverted workplace. And he wanted just to interview someone with HR experience to get that dimension. You know, and he, you know, on Upwork, you put your price and there. It's $150 mm-hmm. you know, for a half an hour call or whatever. So I was like, well, I don't know. So I responded to it and... Did that and I remember it's so funny now, but it truly was one of those moments where I thought, wait a second, I can get paid to just like share my opinion about stuff. Like, I have so many opinions about <laughs> stuff. Um, I'm rich, <laughs> yeah, right? I know, I know, I'll just see the money flowing in, but it was that, it was that complete blind spot into you know what is now my life, you know, in sort of the entrepreneurial freelance, mm-hmm. you know, type of thing, that that, you know, income and and you know, really career satisfaction doesn't have to come in the way that I had been trained that it had to come. Mm-hmm. And uh I mean just truly a light, a light bulb moment. Yeah. It had nothing to do with $150. It's laughable now. And that really just the floodgates Opened yeah. it was it was truly one of those paradigm shifting uh, moments of what else was possible but yeah game changing and certainly went on to shape you know those those early years as I built my coaching and consulting practice mm-hmm. um, and then now that I've that I've returned to which I'm really excited about
0: I love that because I you know you said something about how this empowered you to see that there are other ways yeah. to drive income and to bring it, to draw income and. You know, this is something that comes up a lot with people who I talk to who get laid off. And then they they tell me that they feel called to launch a business or bring an idea to life. Yes. Maybe it's not in the form of business, yeah. but bring an idea to life. Um, but at the same time, they're like, yes, but I need to get a job again. Yeah. And then I go, okay, let's talk about that. You know, what's the role of a job then in, in this scenario? Because you're telling me you want this, but then you're also saying you need to have a job. And these don't sound like they overlap. Yeah. So what's the role of the job? Well, I need the income. And then it's just like, I, I deconstruct it. Well, what's the, what's the amount of income that you need? Yeah. And then they realize, oh, there is a number that they need. And it's not always the exact salary. Sometimes it's a lot less than the salary. And then I go, well, what if you could recreate that salary? And that's what you just said, that that was yeah. your breakthrough. You realize, I could piece together you yeah, know, but it was, it was like
1: scary too, right? It's, of, course, yeah. it's,
0: of course, it's scary. You know? Well,
1: once you see it, you can't unsee it, yeah. right? Because then I knew if I chose to go back to, you know, just the the you know the mainstream, you know, sort of like one job thing, it was a conscious decision that I wasn't doing the other thing, mm-hmm. right? So once, once you know something, you can't unknow it. And so it's like, oh, okay. And I have. I yeah. then went on to, you know, go back into a full-time role for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, and But now knowing that all of that is possible... You know that I think is what's really uh, what's really profound. It's about taking those sort of light bulb perspective changing moments and keeping them so that you can draw on those. You know when you when you
0: exactly. you know when you need to. Yeah, because I mean life is going to have different chapters, yeah. different twists and turns. You know, so I totally get that. But yeah, I love what you just said. That when the moment comes, you can say, "Wait a minute, that is possible." Yeah, and I know it already because I lived a part of that experience. So it's time to bring those world of possibilities. And no doubt, we can even get down into the mechanics. Of it, just learning how to offer up your services, how to grab one of those jobs off the platform, and just conduct that full transaction—all of those things. I mean, that's a sale, you know. You yeah, know, you got you got a sale. Wow, did I just get a sale that was not <laughs> part of a salary check or something like yeah, that? Yeah, totally. And that that just shows you, like, oh, this is doable, and I now know the steps because yeah. I had to do it once what if i did this 100 times yeah. and again that that's the point of this question is really to help understand what are the types of projects that can give way because yeah. i think a lot of times when i work with my clients and or people that you know have come to my q and as or whatever it might be the question often is something related to is this the right project mm. is this the right thing you know i don't want to make a mistake with this project honestly i cannot answer that no one can answer that unless someone has a crystal ball you know, you can't answer that question. Yeah. It's really just do it. And chances are, any project you do, as long as you get to know yourself better, yeah. you discover something yeah. as you did about like, wait a minute, I can sell my opinions yeah. <laughs> or I can sell my expertise and my experience to someone for a fee. That's something different. I didn't know about that. That right there is it. Like, And it's not like you went full-time on no. Upwork and... No. and, and just, you know, sign up for another hundred Opinion of these. giving professional. Opinion giving profession. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You give them away for free. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure you do. But, but I think
1: is... what you're saying there too, and that 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 uh the right thing is such a trap.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's
1: such a trap because yeah. there's, like you said, there's no way to know. There's just no way to know yeah. what you know. And so it's like it's it's having some trust that it's the right thing for now. If you're doing something again, for me, that is in alignment with your values, right? Mm-hmm. That's in some way uh, aligned with some version of a, a goal or direction yeah. of something that you want to do. It can't be wrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It can't be wrong, even yeah. though it's not going to play out in any way what you think that it you know, it might look like. But I think that that, that is this the right thing, the right job, the, it's the right relation, all of it. It's just a trap yeah. that keeps us stuck.
0: Yeah, we never know. And so I think that's the important thing. So there is no right. Rec- project, no. there is the project and there is doing the project, completing a project. I think yeah. that's the only thing that matters. Did you complete it or not? If you don't... yeah.
1: Well, yeah. and I I guess I would challenge that for a second. I would say that in HR we would refer to it as transferable skills. So whether mm-hmm. you do the thing or you don't do the thing or you meet the goal or not, mm-hmm. if you look at it from the perspective of trying to break it down to what, what did you learn? Maybe what mm-hmm. new skills or competencies did you acquire? And then how do you draw on those? Maybe mm-hmm. not in your next thing, but maybe, you know, years down the road yeah. i think it can give us a power and like an empowering place to look that we're it's all becomes part of us mm-hmm. right and even when we didn't do the thing yeah. and and sometimes also right it's not like saying yes to everything sometimes it's the things that we turn down that we say no that i don't that doesn't feel like the right thing for me right now mm-hmm. well what are the things that we learned there maybe we learn discernment Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe we learn critical thinking, yes. you know, whatever. So, um, but I do think that reflection, as you said earlier, that you've mm-hmm. spent a lot of time doing that pausing to reflect on, uh, what you are taking from that that will mm-hmm. be transferable, even if you don't know where you're going to transfer it to in the okay. future.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because there's always something. Yeah. The other side of it, and you kind of just alluded to this of it, you learn about yourself. Absolutely. You're yeah. learning about yourself yeah. the whole way. So re- no matter what happens, yeah. whether we win or lose or yeah. whatever happens, this is why I usually use the word completion, because mm. I think the key is to complete something. Yeah. I don't care yeah. if it's victoriously completed mm-hmm. or miserably complete Mm. it It doesn't really matter as long as you complete it because i think there's also something about finishing something i love it and and i and this is what i encourage a lot of people to do is just finish the thing it's okay if it's horrible i don't really care but as long as you learn about yourself as long as you draw some new skills out of it as long as you become aware of something you didn't know about before Mm -hmm. you've already come out way ahead that whether that succeeded or not almost doesn't matter because you've actually succeeded a lot Mm -hmm. on um, many other levels this is just one of many levels of success in this project, then eh, you can afford yeah. to lose one and win three others. Yeah. And I would take the three others because yeah. they come in handy a lot for right. more than just a quick little win yeah. here. I mean, we talked about this in season one, uh, different reinventions along your journey. Let's unpack one of them. Let This is story time. I want you to tell okay. us a story about one of your reinventions, maybe okay. your proudest, favorite, the worst one.
1: So... I'm going to go a little personal on this one, Mm -hmm. shift away from the, uh, you know, corporate sort of persona. So um, when I was uh, pregnant with my first child, I was, I guess, you know, three months gone to the, all the doctor's appointments, you know, kind of just, you get pregnant, here's what you do, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of laid out for you, you know, what to expect when you're expecting, you get all the books, right? I would say just very much, um, you know, just very mainstream. And that's what I just expected I was going to do. And uh, I I don't even remember how, but I came across a documentary about birthing. And it blew my mind because it started to just sort of expose all the other sort of ways of thinking about being yeah. pregnant and birthing. For me, um thinking about um you know how else could I do this, and I saw some sort of statistics around you know just medical interventions around around birth, especially where where we live in New Jersey, and it it startled me, and I thought, this doesn't really even jive with like my beliefs. I've ever had a child before, but I kind of trust my body. like my body's kind of mm-hmm. never done me wrong. and the mainstream system was very fear-based as opposed to like trust based. Mm-hmm. So I had the opportunity to, I met with a couple midwives Mm -hmm. um, and just had this like experience of, you know, these caretakers being with me and in my presence who were about me and my baby. And in fact, they call in that world, mother, baby, one word put together, Mm -hmm. mother, baby, it's a partnership. And it completely changed my paradigm around not only, you know, pregnancy and birth, but then also, you know, went on to be, um, you know, parenting as well. I would say that the reinvention that, you know, that that took, it was very much stepping, it was, it took a lot of active work to get out of the mainstream. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to deal with a lot of doubt and fear and ridicule, honestly, from other people. When I would share with people, which I didn't share with everyone at first, that I was planning home births, Mm -hmm. I mean, you might as well say I was, you know, in bringing the witches out. (laughs) It was shocking to me the response because it's just, we're so deeply ingrained to like check into the hospital, ideally on the doctor's schedule and, you know, and have, and have the baby. Um, So I learned through that who I can confide in in certain areas and who not to, who Mm -hmm. felt like I was pushing an agenda when I wasn't, Mm -hmm. who could truly share for excitement that I was experiencing my reinvention and Mm -hmm. my journey for me as opposed to taking it personally like they did something wrong. And it changed everything for me. Um, I questioned all of it. I questioned, uh, you know, breastfeeding. Which is so stigmatized in our culture? It's mm-hmm. such a double standard, you know. Attachment parenting. So I would say some people would say I sort of went off grid mm-hmm. because I think anything out of the mainstream in the in those in those areas is is seen as like whoa, is super alternative. Mm-hmm. You know, you tell someone you're co sleeping and they're like, you're I mean, you're going to kill your baby, like mm-hmm. you know. So. What it took for me was a confidence in my own intuition. Mm -hmm. I will say one of the miracles of it is that my husband and I went along that journey together from the beginning.
2: Um,
1: And so we had sort of like double intuition guiding us. And so we knew that even when we were facing doubt out there in the world, it didn't matter. It felt like it was our decisions to make and learning to just deal with the with the naysayers and not Mm -hmm. internalize, you know, internalize those things. Um, Now, my kids are 9, 11 and 13. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll see so far. They're great so far.
0: They're great. So there you
1: go. <laughs> um, you know, and a lot, you know, a lot of lessons. At some a lot point, of lessons there can't be a warranty. Yeah, like, yeah, you gotta right. be
0: like, look, warranty period is <laughs> right. his past. That's right. has passed. It expired. That's right. Now it's on you. <laughs> at this point. <laughs>
1: well, and I, you know, I remember one. I, I remember one of the sort of core, uh, you know, kind of guiding principles, I guess, if you will, around attachment parenting is that if you build a strong attachment when they're younger, that when they're ready to detach, they do so with confidence. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that now, again, looking back, right, as we say, like looking back in hindsight, as I see my kids start to become more independent as we're in the teenage, you know, early teenage years, and starting to see that confidence, is that because of that? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that it is. It's it's an empowering context for me, you know, self-validation to do that. So I guess stepping back for a minute and thinking about this proudest reinvention and getting away from the, you know, the subject of what I'm sharing, Mm -hmm. I would say the lessons in that are trusting your intuition, Mm -hmm. um, being willing to question, tapping into the courage or wisdom from maybe sources that you haven't gone to before, I think yeah. you know mentorship and and things like that, especially in the work world, are so mm-hmm. so important. Um, and then just having that open mind yeah. to chart your own path, because the other, let the other people chart their path. Yeah. Um. So there's a there's a lot to um to talk about there, but certainly when I think about proud, uh, definitely that is 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 my most proudest. Yeah. most proudest
0: yeah proudest, proudest
1: reinvention
0: yes you know i mean I, there there's so many things in there that i think anyone going through any reinvention and this is why i love that you shared a personal one because it's no different mm-hmm. than a than a career one mm-hmm. or anything like that it's just a different area of your life but it's still a reinvention you know uh, i talk a lot about in my book i talk about the naysayers and the role yeah. that they play yeah. the naysayers i mean i i think that they they're many times they actually have really great intentions. Yeah. Uh, they care about us. And that's yeah. why they're doing the naysaying. And sometimes that's good because I think that they, for me, they gave a, they're gave they giving us a list of what to look out for. Oh, that's mm. really good. Because mm-hmm. I was a little too excited. So I wasn't really looking at all the potential risks, yeah. but I can mitigate some of those. Oh, yeah. thanks for the heads up. Yeah. They were really saying, because of this risk, you shouldn't do it at all. <laughs> You're like, no, I'm still going to do it. But I will factor that in. Now that won't catch me off guard when that happens. I won't be like, where did that come from? It's like, no, I was a bit prepared because you helped me out by telling me about that. Mm -hmm. So that happens to anyone who's trying to make a massive reinvention. You mentioned something about how... people looked at you like, what are you doing? I mean, I've heard many people say something similar when they consider quitting a corporate job or quitting a path that they had already been on, whether it's medicine or law or some of those that have a longer path and then leaving near the end and saying, this isn't right for me. Wait, are you crazy? Like you've put in eight years out of 10 on this path and now you're you're walking away? No, you can't. You cannot do that. Yep but you can. Yeah. <laughs> and so you heard those kinds of responses as well.
1: Absolutely. And there
0: was a lot of learning that had to be done because you, you know, admittedly you, you were not aware of all of that. You were more yeah. aware of the mainstream, but then you became introduced to this and you did the learning. You found the books. You learned mm-hmm. more about it. Intuition, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. you trusted yourself. You, mm-hmm. you trusted in your intuition. You said, this is what I believe is right for me. So I'm doing this. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing is because you trusted in your intuition, you went all in. I find mm. that a lot of these things don't work if you just go half in. Yes. You know, and then someone can come and tell you, see, told you. Told you so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's what happens when you don't go all in, when you allow some of those naysayers or allow some of that, or don't trust your own intuition. And you maybe say, Let me just halfway do it. Yes. But none nothing works when it's halfway. Commit. Like nothing works yes. halfway, especially. Something that is going to be quite different from what you're used to, you're going to have to go all in on the different yeah. and and just embrace that. And I feel like hearing what the way you went about it and the fact that both you and your husband were aligned and committed both in on this journey. I mean, this is a reinvention. Yeah. This is an amazing reinvention. And one that clearly you know you continue to be on with your children as you know now like you said you're getting they're they're starting that detaching process yeah. and <laughs> you're seeing good results and you're seeing good results and so there you go like i mean you you did what you felt was right you're getting good results i mean that's what matters at the end of the day i always think what was the job to be done in all of this yeah and the job to be done and i'm going to make an assumption here, but you will correct me if I'm wrong. It was you wanted to raise happy, healthy children. You know, I'm guessing that was like the big kind of, ultimately I'm doing this for them. Yeah, Not for me, I'm doing this for them. And I want them to have the greatest possible life that they can have. And you are now seeing that starting to unfold. And so, you know, I feel... Well,
1: and I think that there's a a really important distinction. I agree with you on the sort of like all-in. Again, that may be an overused skill of mine sometimes. Um, But the distinction of being committed but not attached. Mm -hmm. So... I, I may mean, use my second daughter I was sharing with you on you know, when I arrived here. Uh, you know, I was, you know, committed to having a home birth. It was going to be the yeah. same plan as my first daughter. Well, hello, Hurricane Sandy. Historic mm-hmm. hurricane happened. Yeah. And I went into labor. Mm-hmm. You know, having a home birth during a historic hurricane, not so recommended. No. Um And I was really attached to it. I mean, the midwives, the doulas, everybody's camped out at my house. My husband had the 30-foot extension cord running from the neighbor because somehow they had power. You know, we're still filling up the tub Mm
2: because I was
1: like hell-bent on this is what I need to do. So even in my, um, you know, uh, charting my own path, you know, type of thing. No, that sort of like attachment, some of that absolutely was powered from I'm going to prove them wrong for sure. Mm -hmm. And I labored for like 56 hours at home before I finally was like, okay, we need to go to the hospital. Because again, what I was committed to is a healthy
0: child. The job to be done.
1: Yeah, that's right. And at some point it became evident that that Mm -hmm. was in jeopardy, you know, if I was like so focused on doing it the way that I think we needed to do. So, Mm. so re, you know, that ability to like commit and go all in, but, but keep letting go of those attachments to allow things to unfold and then like pivot as needed know, of as needed yeah. right new data right and like this is where i know the i said that come yeah. In yeah because yeah. the naysayers oh, yeah. keep oh, you yes.
0: keep you mindful of these hey look i really yeah. think you should go to the hospital yeah. that that would have been a naysayer but you know what that's that's why the naysayers are good because yes. you need somebody to tell you yeah, maybe I should now. It's been 56 hours. Yeah, maybe right. I should go to the yeah, hospital. Yeah, yeah, time to go. And that's okay. And when I even mean like the full all-in, I mean all the elements to that. You know, you talked about breastfeeding. You talked yeah. about all these other phases. Yep. I mean, you committed to this. You said, look, I believe in this and I, uh, I want to learn more about this and navigate this. And I think that that's, you know, of course, with the necessary pivots and adjustments in those moments. I mean, that's why I think the naysayers play such an important role. Yeah. they Sometimes we need them to say something so Absolutely. we can be like, you know what? This is that moment. Thank you for having existed and having done a little naysaying for me because I'm off to the hospital now at 56 hours. Like, this is what I got to do. Yes. You know, along any journey where you are making massive transformations, usually there is a great deal of challenge. You know, we talked about this idea of setting a goal. Uh, your definition of success, and then, you know, within boundaries, going all in on that. But just because you've set some boundaries and you've set a goal that is aligned does not make it any easier. It doesn't mean that, oh, well, that's an easy goal. No, it's probably full of challenges. Challenges that will push us, test, take us to our limits, and maybe even break us along the way for a moment or almost break us. Can you tell us about a moment where you felt that you hit a breaking point or almost a breaking point?
1: Yeah. So... Again, another sort of um, personal side to this, but I think the the lesson is very much more what, you know, in, in my um, sort of career path. So uh, my second child actually miscarried and, you know, I was well, you know, a, a, you know, pregnant enough that everybody knew that I was pregnant. I was on my way to the ultrasound, you know, type of things or, you know, left the office. Bye, I'll come back and I'll text you and tell you kind of what's going on. And, um, you know, and then getting that like devastating news. I mean broke me at a you know at a, at an emotional personal uh yeah. personal level for sure. But the moment I want to talk about was my return to work. So first of all as you you know now as I've shared you know that what I thought resilience was like get back to it. You know just dust it yeah. off, get back to work. So um which I did like 4 days later.
0: Wow.
1: Um which is like so stupid in hindsight. Don't do that. <laughs> Um, I had a, you know, well-meaning colleague at the time that had sort of talked to everybody and kind of said, don't, don't talk to her about it from such good intentions. Mm -hmm. First of all, the stigma around like pregnancy loss is like huge, right? If there's something that I could, you know, dismantle in the world, that would be one, that would be one of them. Um, because it's one of the loneliest experiences that, that not just the woman, but the, uh, the parents can go through. Um, but then, so coming back into the workplace and, Having nobody talk about it and, like, not even acknowledge it to the point that it was, like, reinforcing my own business as usual. Oh, well, now everybody else must also expect it as business as usual. Yeah. So that, like, sort of flywheel uh-huh. happened Um, and so I never, you know, mine, I didn't deal with it. Well, you know, fast forward, maybe, I don't know, six weeks or so, I'm like getting acupuncture. Like I'm doing all the things right just to try to find some way to relieve the stress. Um, certainly I had supportive friends and family, but, Mm -hmm. but I had a very active career. And so that's where I spent all of my days and I couldn't bring that part of me, to there and and I and my colleagues were close they were friends yeah. so there was like a big disconnect there and it was like really 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 hard um and subsequently showed up in that you know hurricane uh, birth i had to release all of that fear it was really holding me back um when i had my you know went on to have my second uh, child you know so when i think about what what broke me um i would say it was not being true to myself and sp- mm-hmm. like actually giving voice to my feelings and my experience yeah. It was not allowing me to grieve. You talked about grieving for your mother, to grieve on my, on whatever timeline that I needed, but really yeah. going along with what I thought was expected of me and trying to keep everybody else comfortable because Mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable to talk about loss. Nobody wants to talk about loss. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, this was, you know, you know, this was several years ago. I think the work world has evolved a little bit. It's a little bit more, bring yourself to work these days, at least in a healthy work environment. And that wasn't the norm, you know, more back then. Um, and so, you know, I would say like definitely a lesson there in, um, not, segmenting yourself like we're one person if that Mm -hmm. means you have to set a boundary and ask for what you need take additional time find the support groups like what you know whatever it is for whatever Mm -hmm. setback you're going through losing a parent um, you know, I would say a huge lesson there to not just like stuff it, stuff it down. Yeah. Um, I'm a big believer in in you know sort of mind mind body connection and just you know the the science now that's showing how much our immune system is impacted when our emotional system is is mm-hmm. uh, is not healthy. You know, yeah. I'm a big believer in that. So yeah, definitely. You know, there's a lot of times I would say that almost broke me, but that was I would say the one that really when I unpack it, I can take the most lessons from and carry carry that
0: forward i appreciate you Mm -hmm. sharing that and and, i mean now having you know first-time father Mm
2: -hmm.
0: can only like i can imagine Mm -hmm. now but wow like it's i mean i I think and to your point because there's such a stigma around this and it's just such a you know it's a it is what it is in society you're right and it's such a lonely thing i mean especially if it is if there's a stigma around it, it becomes such a lonely thing. Yeah. So it's really hard to but I can also appreciate, like you said, and it sounds like you can appreciate the really good intentions that your yeah. coworkers had, your colleagues had. They they really had you in mind. Um, you know, it wasn't the the best way to do that, but yeah. they didn't know that. And yeah. they were doing what they felt was best at the time. For anybody listening, this is something to think about you know in case you're there for a friend like being there it's yeah. okay to talk about these things it's yeah. we want to talk about these things like yeah. you know when these moments happen I wanted to talk about my mom mm-hmm. you know when she passed like I wanted to talk about it I didn't want anybody to just be like hey you know if they said tell me about her would be like oh yeah yeah right. done. let's do it <laughs> like that was a good thing like yeah. I wanted to tell yeah. more stories about her so uh, so I totally hear that appreciate you sharing that mm-hmm. thank you when we talk about reinvention there's so many things that we have to do and overcome in order to even be able to feel like am I living the reinvented life? And I and I consider the reinvented life different than success. Even our own definition of success that is our respective definitions of success. I you know I can say that I want to write a book. That is essentially becoming a content creator. Mm-hmm. And writing the book is one thing, but Getting onto the path where I'm writing regularly, Mm. like I'm a content creator. That's like for me, the moment where you realize I'm now on the field. Like Mm. I'm actually playing the game now. I haven't scored the goal yet, i.e. writing the book. I haven't scored the goal yet. I haven't won the game yet, but I am playing this game now. And I think that when you realize that, there's something powerful about that. Is there a moment like that that you can think back to where you realized I'm in the game? Like, yeah, I, I haven't won it. Haven't even scored a goal yet, but I am in the game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, I love your focus on moments because I think it it it's it's grounding actually to um, to stop and really get present to a moment as mm-hmm. opposed to you know like a, a chapter. So the moment would have been. Uh, standing in a hotel room, getting ready to deliver my first keynote. Mm -hmm. So I had flown to Tennessee to do this, hired to do it. It was a 90-minute keynote. And I mean, I was so nervous the night before, almost like made myself sick about it. But I remember, I mean, I remember what I wore. I remember getting dressed and sort of, you know, outfit check in the mirror and just stopping and realizing, wait, I'm doing this like someone paid me to fly here to come and I'm going to go talk to these people and impart something like for 90 minutes. Um, this is it. And uh, and I remember it feeling both scary and exhilarating and like all the things all in the same moment. Um, I don't want to step over that part of me definitely felt what we talked about earlier mm-hmm. of the like role-playing dress-up Mm-hmm. you know who am yeah, i I, I mean to the point of like literally feeling like do i feel do I, does this outfit feel like me i mean literally feeling almost dressing up into it in a different yeah. persona um but yeah, I would say that that was sort of a, a turning point of um, being on this path mm-hmm. where I could take the, you know, sort of collective set of experiences that I've had through my career and my life and share that with other people mm-hmm. and uh, and do it in a way that, you know, that that delivers value and fun, yeah. you know, walking up onto a stage and there's lights and all this other kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's a fun thing to think back yeah. on.
0: I love that story because there's so much to celebrate in that moment. And yet, you it's not like you have hit the target. No. Um, you haven't won the game. But it's just being in the game. And yeah. I think that that's really important for people to consider. Because I think we get... It's easy to get caught up in... It, well, I have to exit my company that I haven't even launched yet. It's just a mm-hmm. seed of an idea, but I'm I'm only thinking exit. Exit for several million dollars or whatever it is. And boom, you know, I'm, they're going to write me up on TechCrunch. They're going to write me up somewhere. Right. I've, I've got a killer app. <laughs> I was the founder. Boom. And you're like, wait a minute, but you're not even in the game yet. This is yes. just like a very raw idea in your head and you're not even playing the game yet there is something still to celebrate. And we need to celebrate that moment. There, It's a massive accomplishment, especially when you're making a reinvention and yeah. you're going from, you know, whatever you were doing to something pretty different just to be able to say, I'm in the different thing. Yes. Like, I am now on this new field. I was in a completely different arena yeah. in a very different like set of rules. I wasn't even playing yep. this game. And now I'm in this game. I mean, for me, it was teaching. Mm. I mean, the moment I was tutoring regularly, I go... <laughs> Wait a minute, this is what I wanted to do. Mm. Like, you know, yes, I want to do this in a classroom, and I want to do bigger things than this. You know, I want to win more games. But I am playing the game, yeah, and, and it's just such a amazing thing to be well, able and it to-
1: takes the presence, right? And I will say my most recent experience with this would have been three weeks ago when my fifth my daughter's fifth grade class is doing an egg drop. And here I am, you know, on the field at one twenty five in the on a Tuesday afternoon that four months ago I would have been on a Zoom call. Guaranteed. (laughs) So being able to now say, like, now I'm in the game. Yeah. Well, because now it's the game that I'm playing here, yeah. which is boundaries and balance and, and being able to have it all, right? Yes. With my integrating my work and my family. And I remember sitting there, you know, thinking about looking around at all these other parents that were there, really thinking about what, what's everybody else doing, that they're all able to be here, mm-hmm. you know? I'm, I'm curious about that. But really present and grateful for the ability, like, I this is my game right now. Yeah. I'm watching an egg drop from a night. Nine- foot fire truck thing like i couldn't be in a better place in my life
0: i love that example that is so because that's just even just a goal you have yeah about presence and being around your family and you're just like acknowledging that yeah i'm here and this isn't the last time i will be here this is literally the first goal of many goals and here i am yeah I love that. Thank her you her egg so much. survived,
1: by the way. And the eggs Not survived. thank you to my engineering. That's all my husband. <laughs> but the egg survived.
0: <laughs> and I love how you said you were on a field because you were literally on a field. Literally so for this, on the field. For this. Yeah. <laughs> One of the biggest objections that I get to, especially career reinvention, but even personal reinvention, is related to money. You know, I, I mean, there's countless ones. I, I mean, the list goes on and on, but I could say, you know, one that comes to mind is, well, I have a certain lifestyle and and the salary I make, you know, it has to be that salary so I can maintain that lifestyle or I can't afford it. I live paycheck to paycheck. I'm barely covering what I have now. There's no way I can reinvent myself. And there's so many different versions of that, right? And, and obviously money plays an important role. And this is something that, you know, as we grow this platform, I want to invite people to talk about what was the financial journey like for them, because there are so many different listeners with so many different circumstances. And while, you know, your story or my story may not resonate with everybody, it will resonate with someone yeah. who has, wait a minute, that's very similar to my situation. Jen's situation is like mine today. And I'm here saying that I can't do it. And yet she did it and it worked and it, Didn't Mm -hmm. fall apart on her. And she even kind of shared the how. And now I get it. And so tell us about finances on your journey, on your journey to reinvention, Mm -hmm. wherever finances played a role. Uh, This is an open-ended question.
1: I love that you're asking about this because, again, it's one of those areas that we just don't talk about. It powers everything, but we don't talk about it. So if you're a listener and you're like, don't talk about this because my financial situation is a mess, I got you. Uh, I'm actually building out a course right now. I'm part of. I use this example and I refer to it as my money mess. So, oh, I love it. (laughs) uh, Yeah. So, I mean, I am happy now. I will say also, I can speak about this with with humor and distance because it is truly in the past, and it is. I you used the word earlier, complete. Uh, it's complete in the sense that I um, that I got the lessons from this period of my mm-hmm. life that that it's it's truly complete. I don't have the emotional charge anymore. Yeah. I want to acknowledge that when you're going through financial um, stress or concern, it is all consuming. Yeah. Um. So if you're there, uh, it's okay. So, um, yeah, so I had made a series of decisions in my early 20s that landed me in debt, uh, you know, well over the amount of debt that I should have had for, Mm -hmm. uh, for my age. Um, and you know there were you know sort of early early warning signs as I said that I didn't pay attention to you know sort of the rising credit card balance you know things like that. I went my car was you know kind of not doing so well. I went to a new car lot and of course they they said I could afford this new car you know of course it was because you can for... afford the payments. That's right. Technically I could afford. <laughs> them. They've little, got ratios and all the things, yeah, right? That little trick. <laughs> so you know off I go with my new car. You know, my yeah. dad you know it all like you know just new cars. So. Um, so here I am and I, you know, and again, I think that part of the power of storytelling is when we get real. Mm -hmm. So my salary was $57,000 a year. Mm -hmm. I was in debt $42,000. Okay. So let's do the math. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no common, there's no, I mean, there's no quick, there's no quick hit here. I ignore all the early indicators, right? I meet my now husband who has this, you know, quite, you know fancy life he's not in the same situation as me mm-hmm. so we're going out to dinners and we're taking trips and we're doing all the things which is just getting me further and further in the hole yeah. um what i feel is a lot of shame and secrecy i don't talk about it mm-hmm. again i'm playing dress up right yeah just playing the role and uh and then i remember i was at his house one day we had just moved in together and i got a credit card statement and it was with this like lovely letter not just the normal statement advising me that my interest rate had been raised to 31.9%
0: Crazy. I mean, ugh.
1: okay, I lied when I said it. It doesn't trigger me at all because I could feel yeah, myself, my breath right now, being, right now being impacted. And I remember I was just
0: tightening totally.
1: I was sitting on the arm of his couch and reading this. And it was, I mean, it was a, I mean, it was like a before and after moment. Yeah. I was luckily in the period of my life where I was surrounded by a supportive community, a lot of personal growth. And so I called my coach. And told him what had happened. And as any good coach does, he's not triggered. He's not sucked into any of it. It's just like, okay, here's what it is. Like, what are we going to do about it? Right? And I remember lying on the, like, basement floor of my, you know, my uh, you know, partner's house. I mean, hysterical. Right, couldn't couldn't could barely even speak because this for me was bringing up not just the like literally the numbers and sense of the mess, but all of the shame that went along with it, and where I got to, you know, again the power of a coach, right? Where I got to in that one conversation was a deep understanding that I had made the best decisions I could have made at that time, but now I was ready to make a different set of decisions, Mm. and that no one was going to come and do it for me. Like I got so clear in that moment. There was nothing was going to change unless I did it. So then what did I go do about it, right? How did I get out of that? I had to, day after day, walk through the discomfort and all that emotion that there was. The very next day, I remember I booked a meeting room at the at my office, and I called a credit counseling agency. Mm-hmm. One of the hardest calls I've ever made. Now, to them, they're like, you know, your customer number 952 today. They yeah. could care less, right? Again, yeah. not emotional for them, whereas yeah. I feel like I'm bearing my deepest, darkest yeah. secrets. Um, I consolidated my debt. Yep. I sold my car and went and got a used car. I started a monthly tracking sheet where I tracked, I mean, it was red that my goal was to get, you know, into the into the black. Yeah. And every month I would force myself to tally it all up, tally the debt, tally the income, and slowly, slowly starting to pay things off. And um so going through the discomfort, I had to say no to some things that I had otherwise wanted to do. So there's, I, I when I come back and I, I look at it now with distance, it would be very easy to just say, oh, I just handled it. Yeah. In no way did I just handle it. Yeah. It was
0: painful. It's a it journey was, in and of itself.
1: Absolutely, and it was those hard minute-to-minute decisions yeah. that I had that I had to face. One of the things that I had to actively work to dismantle was using the term "I can't afford it." Because I realized that that was a very self-limiting um, perspective, yeah. uh, very much informed from the past, mm-hmm. and instead I'm choosing not to spend this. Yeah, yeah and you know, so so language matters. I really believe language matters when we're going through some of these things and, and creating new habits. Um, and and really that commitment, you know, led me to make a game-changing decision of moving my life across the country to take a job that would really, you know, sort of propel my income to a level. Luckily, I had sort of an equity um, payout. And I remember the day that I went to update my spreadsheet and it went green. I, I know people say in the black, but like make it green. Green is better than I black. I like green. Right? I, green I is better. A, <laughs> green is like green and money. I get and, <laughs> it. I, get it.
0: I, I use green uh, where the whole cell um, yeah. turns green. conditional
1: formatting.
0: Yeah, conditional yeah. Yes. formatting. Exactly. That's it right there. Um, when you're in the yeah. green, it literally turns green. It turns and green. Because it's easy then to see like if I forecast... I see yellow and red blocks. Right. and if I see those, I go. I have to see what has what caused that. Yeah, and then you notice, and you're like, okay, can I fix this? Yeah. and then, and this is like months in advance. I'm yeah. looking at it like, right. oh, I didn't think that was going to happen. That's right. The car insurance payment hits in that month. Uh-huh. Okay, so maybe something else can give, and I can fix that and get it back into the green. But then you
1: have your power back, right? Yes. And I think that that you know, in in um, in hindsight, when I think about what had me be successful on that, you know, it was about a three and a half year journey. I'm mm-hmm. going to say. Um, so not an overnight fix in any yeah. in any stretch. I made a lot of big life, you know, decisions uh, yeah. that that went into that. um but uh, but I remember that feeling of just feeling more powerful. And yes. I will say, you know, this is whatever, twenty years ago. I still, when I get my bank you know, like statement, because I also, you know, my credit rating was horrendous, yeah. and that sticks with you for a long time. Yeah, it takes
0: a while. So I'm, no a, word of
1: a lie, right yeah. now. This is twenty-two years later when I got to three months ago, because just you know, my bank sends me a thing. Shoot, you know, view your credit score. Yeah. My credit score was eight hundred and fifty. It's the highest mm-hmm. you can get, and you know damn well I was back. I was that twenty-seven-year-old on the floor, thinking, look at how far like I did that. Uh-huh and it wasn't magical i know exactly yeah. how i did it and so i think if you're going through a like a stressful financial time mm-hmm. know that there are there's so many possibilities of how to yes. overcome it right it's no. not easy nope right but no one's going to come and change it for you. It's a series of decisions, right? And I think doing the deeper emotional work of like your beliefs around money, you know, we're programmed at a young age. A lot of us, money doesn't grow on trees. Money is scarce. Mm -hmm. And I think unpacking some of those things that power our spending habits Mm -hmm. are, it's just so worthwhile because then everything becomes a little bit easier when you go to actually deal with like the dollars and cents Mm -hmm. of it. So I love talking about money now is why when I get to, coach people and they're all, oh, you know, I want to make more money. How much? And like they can't even put a number on it. They're uncomfortable speaking the number. You're never going to make the money you want to make if you can't say, I want to make $125,000 a year. If you can't say it, you're not going to make it, right? Um, So I think getting really unpacking the stories we have about money and just having it be something you talk about as freely as you talk about what's for dinner. There's so much power there.
0: You know, I love what you said about the spreadsheet because there is power in just knowing your numbers. Yeah. And that's something that I discovered along the way. And and it's crazy because even knowing that. I was still scared to look at the spreadsheet. And by the way, having Definitely. the spreadsheet does not make it no. any less scary. The spreadsheet can be quite scary, too, yeah. because sometimes the reality is scary, yeah. and the spreadsheet makes it very clear it when you have lie. a lot of red cells. <laughs> and you're like, when do these red cells ever turn yellow? I'll take yeah. yellow at yeah. this point. <laughs> yellow is like my, you're getting close, but you're right. still not yeah. there. Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, man, but I'll take a yellow right now if, <laughs> instead of a red. Whenever I didn't look at the spreadsheet, For an extended period of time, Mm -hmm. I felt the stress um, building. Mm -hmm. And it sits somewhere. It's really interesting because I'm still out. You know, doing speaking engagements, coaching, doing whatever, teaching classes and all of that. And I don't bring that to those places, but it lives somewhere in me. Yes. And it's drawing on some energy, but it's doing it in a really sneaky kind of just a way where I don't really know how or where it's taking it from. But it is drawing energy from me. And then once it gets to a point where it's really built up its strength and now it's like, ooh, now I get to really rear yes. my ugly head. Oh, now I'm like just that tension you mentioned yep. when you talked about 31%. Yep. Now I'm finding that living in me like just throughout the day yep. or when I wake up or before I go to bed. And it's just like there daily. And, then I, and I know the solution. I know it's to look at my spreadsheet, but I'm scared. But I also know that when I do, I always walk away from that spreadsheet feeling empowered. Yep. Even though I didn't change the reds yeah. to yellows. Yeah. The yellows didn't become greens. The reds are still the reds, and there's still a lot of them wherever they were on that when I was looking back at them. But just knowing.
2: Yeah.
0: And I realized, and this is something I think that is so key to what you're saying is the spreadsheet is that knowing that there's power and simply just knowing your numbers. Um, plus, it gives you an opportunity to look forward and figure out where can I fix things? and And when... Can I get excited? You yeah. know, when can I focus on celebrating and and really start thinking about that? Um, yeah, I, I, I appreciate you sharing mm-hmm. so openly even numbers around what the mm-hmm. debt was and mm-hmm. all of that because, yeah, everyone's working through a different version of this and we need all the stories. And to your point, we don't talk about it enough. And so imagine how, how short on stories we are. Yes. You know, the ones we hear tend yeah. to be the same ones. Um, but we need all the kinds of stories. So... Again, I just want to share my appreciation yeah. with you on that. Let's talk about balancing life and also your mental health on the journey to reinvention. Um you know, let's start off with just how you define balancing life and mental health.
1: I hope that there comes a day very, very soon when we don't talk about his mental health. It's just health. Mm, Um, I love that at least we're talking about it now because we weren't before, Mm -hmm. but now carving it out makes it a separate thing and it is truly not. So I would say for me right now, how I define health, being healthy is, yeah, it's my, it's my mind, it's my body, it's my, uh, you know, my emotions, my, I mean, my relationships, My sense of fulfillment, it's all of that. And I think trying to separate any of those things, one just comes at the expense of another, you know? Um, and I think that a lot of us have comfort zones where it's easier maybe to focus on our physical health and we're like, you know, going to the gym and, you know, going through all the motions, but we're not paying attention to that other dimension. And so I think that, um, I don't think of it as balance. I think of it as integration. I think we are one person, whether it's at work or at home, our body, our mind, it's all, it's just all connected. And, uh, and I think that that's at the core of a lot of our, um, I mean, just the epidemic we have mm-hmm. right now, you know, especially raising young people right now, constantly being confronted by the sort of state of young people and the incidence of, you know, depression and suicide and things like that. It's so scary. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who cares if I'm feeding them organic vegetables if they don't like know who to talk to when something's gone wrong at school? Mm-hmm. So I would love that the, you know, trained professionals, you know, teachers, caregivers, um, leaders in a corporate environment start to almost honestly stop focusing on mental health and start mm-hmm. thinking about holistic health. Yeah. I think it's the only way we're gonna move forward and not over-index on another thing because I think, you know, I, I think the pandemic really shone a light, you know, mm-hmm. on on the need for focus on mental health. And, you know, the good companies started Providing all the apps and the meditations and the listening sessions and all that other type of stuff, um, you know. But at the core of that, maybe someone is isolated, you know, and mm-hmm. they don't have healthy relationships. Well, they yeah. can meditate all they want, but that's not going to like help them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, yeah. So I would say right now my focus is really on um, holistic health for myself and and my family.
0: Let's talk about relationships on the journey, um, and this takes on you know so many meanings for. Every for so mm-hmm. many different people right I've heard so many things I mean for me relationships played a really big role and vice versa the journey played a role in the relationships mm-hmm. that I got into yeah. and so uh, and those are I'm referring there to romantic ones um, but there's also relationships with our friends with our families and all of that tell us about what relationships meant to you on the journey
1: yeah well like you said there's there's so many different uh, dimensions I would say sitting from where I'm at now What I would say about relationships as they relate to my reinvention journey is figuring out who plays what role. Looking back, it's easier to do. Mm -hmm. But I think it's one of the most powerful things we can do in the moment in order to use it as a tool looking forward. Mm -hmm. So... When you think about a relationship where, especially when you're going through, you know, any type of a transition, it's very easy to put all of that sort of weight, you know, if you're in a partner relationship, you're bringing the emotional weight of the uncertainty, perhaps, maybe the financial concerns about that, you're putting all of this weight shows up on that relationship.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean, that takes its toll, right? When you think if you don't have a relationship and you don't have a trusted place where you can do that and then you come to work and you expect work to fulfill your every need well that's not healthy either so I think thinking about relationships and how they've shown up for me is I I like to think of sort of having a personal board of directors if you will of Mm -hmm. knowing sort of a team of team of people who I know the different roles that they play in my life you know Mm -hmm. so I've got the friend who I can call who will side with me every time. I am always right, damn it. You know, and we that's it. That's all I want. Yeah. I just want to vent and be heard. I'm not looking for solutions. I just want to be validated that I'm right. I love that person. I've got the friend who will start out with that way, but will absolutely then pivot to a, what are we going to do about this? Mm-hmm um you know I've got the business mentors who I can call and say I'm I'm setting my price for this and I'm like concerned because it's bringing up all this stuff about am I good enough And can just cut to the chase about it and remind me who I am in that context so figuring out and you know and again you know I'm well in my into my career journey where I feel really lucky to have all these these people Mm -hmm. um but I think the 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 risk of not figuring out who's who is we can put the wrong weight and the wrong set of expectations on the people who are closest to us in our life. Um, You know, are certainly, you know, my kids, they have nothing to do. I love sharing my successes with them, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to bring the hard stuff to them. They don't need to carry that weight for me, but I want to like, you know, model. It's not to say I only share the good news, but you know, there's certain things that I'll share with them. So, um, and I think, you know, gratitude in relationships, um, I think there needs to be an authenticity in knowing that when you're in a really intense time and relationships inevitably have less time for them, maybe you're starting a new job, you know, you're kind of going all in on something, or you've just had a family, yeah. relationships suffer. But it takes nothing to drop someone a text and let them know you're thinking of them, yeah. to just like keep feeding those things in a way that feels authentic to you. Mm-hmm. Um I think is one of the most, you know, important things that we don't, you know, when we talk about going all in, that can come at the expense of a yeah. lot of, you know, especially our relationships. And yeah. and that stuff usually comes back to, uh, you know, to not work out very well. So um, relationships are important. And I think if you don't have trusted relationships, uh, I would go back to my money mess example of realizing nothing's going to change it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you you're not going to build the relationships and find the people in your life if you're like isolating yourself in your apartment. And it's hard. And I think at the very time I'm going through some stuff personally right now, we're having dinner literally tonight with friends. And my husband said, do you want me to cancel if you're not up to it? Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm going to walk the talk here because I know my tendency right now would be to withdraw and say, no, I just want to stay home and I want to isolate. I know full well what's best for me is to go out and connect with people and have some distance from it and like fill, you know, sort of my emotional um, kind of bucket. Mm -hmm. So nurturing relationships often doesn't come as the first thing we want to do because it's more comforting to just like often withdraw. But we're never going to build those. We have to be willing to put ourselves out there. And I think one of the best ways to do that is if you have like one trusted person, use them as an access to open other doors. Tag along with them to things, right? Ask for introductions. It's vulnerable. It's scary. I think it takes all of us back to the, you know, sort of uh middle school cafeteria vibe when you walk in and is anybody gonna like me you'll never have those relationships that are essential. You know, they they say it, you know, when at the end of people's lives, that's the one thing that they talk about. It's so the one yeah. regret. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, and so it's it's so important to build trusted, authentic, deep, meaningful relationships. Yeah. And it's especially important when you feel like you don't have them to move yeah. through the discomfort to try and yeah. try and create them. I'm blessed.
0: I, I feel like a key word you said there is to build them. You know, yeah. versus have them. Yeah. You know, that you have them when you mm-hmm. build them. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't just appear out of nowhere, right. and they don't just stay yeah. because they they don't just stay magically on their own. You have yeah. to continue to feed them. and and continue to develop them over time. And I totally get what you're saying about, you know, sometimes, especially during difficult moments on a a journey to reinvention where you're making a massive pivot in your life. I mean, a path that is full of uncertainty, setbacks, getting knocked down, kicked while you're down, all of these things, yeah, retreating and just kind of keeping to yourself and saying, you know what, Uh, I'll, um, you know, I, I should spend that extra time trying to get back up or whatever. But then, I mean, I think you, you, you you've alluded to this in a way, but that it's these relationships that can be the ones that pick you up. Yeah, that could pick you up.
1: Absolutely. And I think I think the other thing is there's an there's a in in practice, right, when I say like putting yourself out there, building the relationships, I think the the practice of making that happen is being, you know, keeping an open mind, but saying yes to things. I'll tell you yeah. a really quick story. I was I was working for Nordstrom in Seattle, and um, a, a colleague of mine who I didn't really know very well, but we'd worked together for, you know, however many months, and she came into a manager's meeting, and she said, who wants to go to the Britney concert? I was like, are you kidding me? Like, how old are we? Are really Britney Spears? Um, and for whatever reason, I felt inspired to say yes. I, you know, and it was the first time I we had ever, you know, hung out. We find ourselves at the Ramada Inn next to the Tacoma Dome in Seattle, rocking out to Britney Spears. We were for sure the oldest people in the arena. She is my ride or die best friend on the planet, you know, 20, 23 years later. And it, obviously, we reflect often uh, about, about that moment and, you know, go Britney. Um, but had I not said yes there, I mean, oh, it just kills me to even think about what my life would be like without yeah. that. So I think it's keeping an open mind and knowing that you're, you're, best, deepest, most meaningful relationships, they might come sitting next to someone on an airplane. Yeah. They might come, you know, standing in line next to someone at, at the coffee shop, yep. you know, or going to a Britney Spears, whatever it is. But you have to have, I think it's like, in practice, being willing to say yes, especially if someone else extends that first invitation. Yeah. It's so scary to be the one and put yourself out there. Yes. But if it comes to yes. you, like, say yes. Yeah, Say yes.
0: It's a gift. You yes. were just handed a gift. Yeah. Someone's doing the thinking, yeah. the planning, yeah. all of that. You just have to say yes, yeah. and you're in. Yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I mean, I think that you know, I've I've been reading a little bit about this. I don't know how they've been referring to it, um, like a new epidemic or a new pandemic yes. of loneliness. Epidemic. The right? Surgeon I mean, General has the, said the, the yes. talk, loneliness yes. is like the new one, and that. I mean, it's and it's crazy because we feel like with all the technology we have, we're more connected than ever, and yet somehow we're lonelier than ever. That's right. Um, They say it's the
1: equivalent of smoking two packs a day.
0: Yeah, yeah. And this is so and this so powerful. And I love the strategy you shared. You know, find that one person who can be. The, one, the 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 one who connects you to yeah, all the, the opportunities connector. and yeah. just lean on them because this person you know draws energy from bringing people yeah. into other experiences so they want to do this like you're they're winning when you say yes yeah. so they're not it's not like an extra burden or yeah. anything like that and sometimes those people are our partners you know i know there are many times like on the journey where i i tend to want to withdraw a bit um my wife has been the best partner in Pulling me right mm-hmm. out and saying, no, like, let's, you know, invite all these people over. Let's do this. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. And because, well, I'm like, okay, I guess I'll just say yes. I mean, that's really the yeah. only decision yeah. I have to, <laughs> that's the only effort I have to make here is to say yes and then show up. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, does it get any easier than and this? And do you so, ever regret it? Never. And right. this is why she, like, at this point, just makes me good. <laughs> right. Because she goes, come on. You know, you're going to, and here's how we always start. (laughs) This is the funniest thing, but I have to share this. So it always starts in this way where she'll say, hey, my friends are doing a thing at their place or whatever. Like, you know, let's, uh, let's go there. No, you know, it's, you know, we've got a, it's, it's a really busy week. I really just want to relax and unwind this week and kind of just chill out and all of that. No, come on, let's go and all of that. And finally I start giving in. And then I go, all right, what, does, what time does it start? Well, they said, you know, people can start arriving around four o'clock or something, whatever the time is. Um, okay, well, th- then let's just, let's just agree right now that we're going to come back by like six or something okay. like that. And she has learned to just, okay, sure. We'll come back early. I hear you. You're right. We'll yeah. come <laughs> back early. That's fine. Because she knows that once I'm there, she's like, babe, babe, it's it's 9 Can p.m. It's 9 p.m. I think we need to go. It's probably a good time to go. And I'm like, oh, oh, just hold on, like a few more minutes, a few more minutes. I'm talking to someone. And this literally happens every, every single time. time. And I always end up being the last one to leave. Yeah. So she knows it's just a matter of getting me out She's there. She's going to be
1: great with your daughter gets cuz the kids inevitably like no, I don't want to do that. And yeah. you just know they're going to be fine once they get there. So yeah. you just have to move through it. So exactly. you've trained yeah. uh, trained
0: her. There we go. Her. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I uh, and I and I want to share this story because I think the story is important because uh, it's it's one of those things that we also have to trust. Like when when someone mm. who knows us, especially a yes. dear friend, is inviting us to something, they're not just doing it on a whim necessarily. Mm-hmm. They know they've already done some you know kind of mental calculus to figure out that you're the right person for this. Like yeah, that's, that's why I'm, that's why I'm calling on you. I could have called on somebody else if it was something else, mm-hmm. but I'm calling on you because I think. Whatever, for whatever reason, whether I think I want you specifically to be there with me, or I think you would love this event, or I think there's someone there that you would totally click with and connect with, whatever the thing is, they've already done that mental calculus and they've extended the invite. Yeah. So just say yes. Yeah. It's like you're going to probably have a blast. Yeah. And like you said, look, it was Brittany. I mean,
2: yeah. or what did it say?
0: It's Brittany, bitch, or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Who knew? there you go. Yeah. yeah. There it is. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> awesome. What is one piece of advice that you would give to a younger version of yourself?
1: I struggle with this question all the time because Mm. I know... Any piece of advice. Well, I I think (laughs) the reason... I mean, I could list a hundred things that I would want to tell my younger self... I remember being a younger self and getting advice and thinking, you don't know me, you don't understand me, you're not in my world. And mm-hmm. so I'm aware that sort of that distance, it can feel yeah. patronizing. And yeah. so um I try my best to, when I answer this question of like, trying to put myself back in that younger self mode, yeah. right? So the in-debt, not sure of direction, no self-confidence, imposter syndrome, out of control type of person. Okay. Um, what would I want that, you know, that person to know is just, it's all going to work out, but it will look nothing like what you think it's mm. going to. There you go. So again, it's that, you know, I would say, do the work to figure out your core values. I use core values, but whatever, your core beliefs, your yeah. foundational guiding, whatever it is, terminology you want to use. What are your guardrails? What are your non-negotiables? Figure that mm-hmm. out. Be committed to living those. Yep. But then let go of any attachment to what that's going to look like. job, the paycheck, the partner, the life, the house, that any of it, because it will look nothing like what you think it is. And so it's uh, believing, I guess, yeah, that sort of a little bit of blind faith uh, in the Mm -hmm. world, I think, could do people uh, some good.
0: I love that. That's perfect, just as you said it. Jen? Thank you so much for sharing so openly. Sharing your insights, your stories, your numbers, (laughs) your your tough your tough moments—the ones that almost broke you. Mm. Uh, This is this is how we learn. This Mm -hmm. is how we find. And develop the courage to walk our own journey to reinvention. It's through hearing these stories. Um, we this is how we learn what's possible by hearing your goals, you know. And this is how we even maybe figure out how to begin walking in that direction by learning mm. from some of your strategies. Mm. And you shared all three of those with us. So. Thank you, and well, I appreciate I, you taking the trip all the way up yeah, there. Yeah, you
1: bet. It's it's uh, it's been fun, and um, again, I share my wins and my losses with humility, and in in the hope that it can help someone else to see, you know, what might be possible for them. And um, but in no way do I have any of it, you know, uh, figured out. So I appreciate the back and forth too, because I'm always learning myself. So thank you for having me.
0: Uh, my pleasure. <laughs> You can find all of the different ways to connect with Jen in the show notes below. So just make sure to go there, click, find her on all of the platforms and all, you'll see all the links there. Thank you again, Jen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Reinvention podcast. Again, I'm your host, Roger Osorio. If you're ready to start your journey to reinvention and want to walk the path with others, visit www.rogerosorio.com and go to the School of Reinvention to check out for yourself how a community-based coaching platform can help you begin your next reinvention. You can also go to rogerosorio.com to purchase my new book, The Journey to Reinvention, and receive some exciting bonuses. Until next time, make your day great.